Yes, hello, four o'clock on the weekly Manchester United show. I'm your host, as always, joined with my temporary co-host, the fantastic Tom McFadden. We are also joined with Tom McDermott, journalist, for the first time. We wanted to get Tom on the show for a while, so I'm pleased to finally get him on. We'll catch up with him later on the show. We'll talk about last night's game. And, of course, what can what we can expect this summer transfer ways. We'll have a discussion on that. First of all, Callum, how you doing, mate? I'll be honest, Phil, I just feel deflated after the game. Um, I, I was... If you asked me last night, I would have said very angry. Um, yeah. But it's it's more deflation today. And you made a very good point on Twitter where if you compare the this game against Sevilla to the previous game when Mourinho mm-hmm. was manager, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah. It's the simple fact of the matter in this game was that United attacked. United tried to play in the front foot. But defensively, they just weren't strong enough to win the game. And that saddens me. Um, but what I would say is, seeing the likes of Bruno Fernandes, show the character we've been crying out for to call players at Lindelof out and say, that's your mistake, own up to it. You need to be better than that. That was refreshing. And I just hope that Solskjaer in the dressing room will harness that energy that the likes of Fernandes gave on the pitch because we need to be feeling hurt. We need to be not feeling hurt in the sense that the players' PR representative puts a tweet out saying, oh, sorry for the defeat. They need to be feeling genuinely hurt so that this summer, when they get back into pre-season, which won't be far away already, that they're feeling refreshed and ready to go and hopefully with a few new additions as well. Well, I thought what happened last night, um, a couple of things. First of all, United... One of the biggest issues they had under Mourinho in big games was United weren't going to try and win them. They were going to try and not lose them. And... Against Sevilla United were poor in both games. And I honestly, I've said this many times, I would have sacked Mourinho after the Sevilla game for him, for the, for his comments about how he sat in this chair many times. He knocked my head out under Real Madrid. He knocked my head out under Porto. And here he is again. That to me, I was seething with him after that. That to me was him separating himself from the defeat and saying that it's not me who loses, it's Man United who loses. But it's him who wins when United win. We've been through this. So it's good at least sent the United team out to win this game. He sent the United team out on the front foot. And look, we're talking about small margins. We, Guillaume Balaguer talked about it the night before with Pep Guardiola. If, uh, if Raheem Sterling finishes that chance, you know, it's a whole different game. He had a had chance after chance after chance. Didn't take it. And in football, this always happens. You don't take your chances. They don't, you don't win games of football. And it will always come back to bite you. But on the, on, we'll get the negative side in the minute. On a plus side, um, this is a much better Man United team than the one we saw under Mourinho. This is a, a United team that uh, got to three semi-finals. It's not good enough by Man United standards. I know that. It's got it, but they finished third. That's progress from where we've been. Right? That's all we can ask for. That's progress, consistent progress. Um, I felt that the lack of squad depth cost United last night because they couldn't make changes in the game. Solskjaer, you can see, doesn't trust what he has on the bench. Or he makes changes earlier. Right? Dan James comes on. And he gets a ball and he runs straight inside, right into two defenders. Runs right into them. I mean, he doesn't lift his head. And uh, you saw Igalo and these other players, they're not my head standard players, right? So, but what I will say, Callum, is squad depth, lack of squad depth doesn't happen overnight, right? That happens over a period of time of consistently letting players go and not replacing them. Consistently uh, 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 slimming the squad down, and when you look at what we pay in wages, it's not commensurate with what we're getting on the pitch. There's far, far, far too many players at United that shouldn't be there, 
or especially on that type of weight. We've talked about Phil Jones. I feel sorry for Phil Jones because the guy's lost his career, but never should have been given a four-year contract. It's absurd. Absolutely absurd. Right? So you need to have one of the lowest weights-to-income ratios <clears throat> in the Premier League. But there's still too much waste there that, that should be cut, that should be moved on, that are going to be very difficult to move on. Marcus Rowe, who's going to be very difficult to move on. One of the most disgraceful professionals in the game. Right? Uh, Phil Jones, at least Phil Jones has uh, an excuse because he's constantly injured. It's not his fault he's constantly injured. Um, but uh, there's too many players that need to move on. But what we've seen so far this summer, Callum, is a squad that badly needs additions. We've seen Sanchez leave. We've seen Chong leave. Uh, reports in Italy that clubs are starting to move now for Chris Smalling. Uh, Andres Pereira looks like he's on his way out. Uh, Jesse Lingard wants to leave. And yet, nobody seems close to signing. So are we going to have another summer where the squad continues to get trimmed? Because we can't have that. Solskjaer's already got a small enough squad. And he needs it. I mean, we talk about three players. Truthfully, he needs more than that. He does. Uh, he simply does. If, if, if those players leave and... The thing I would say about the likes of Lingard now, he may want to move on, but when you see the fact that Young Chong's now going out and loan to Werder Bremen, which I think, to be honest, is a good move for Chong. I think he yeah. needs to play in week out. But at the same time, if, if he's going and he was someone who was on the periphery of the first team at times this season, then it would suggest that a player like Lingard may need to stay to cover that right-hand side because if Sancho doesn't come in and you don't strengthen that wide area, you, you're going to need you are going to need another option because at the end of the day Greenwood will pick up Knox he only brought out the team from time to time because he's still young and as you've said there with Daniel James Daniel James started well at Manchester United because playing in the counter attack and let's be honest at his transfer fee there wasn't a lot of pressure on him so I think he could come in and express himself whereas as the longer the season goes on and, and you get games like the other night where a substitution has to be made and you're the guy people look to to make a difference, that's a whole different kind of pressure. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's ready for that type of pressure at the moment. I agree with you that the thing that's a conundrum for United is the fact that, for me, a centre-half is badly needed. We've both agreed in the past that we need a new holding midfield player with more legs about them. And then, obviously, the addition of Sancho or a top-class right-hand side player is a must. Now, that's three in just the start in the living. Mm -hmm. And as you've said, that's before you come to the bench. So... The catch-22 this summer for United is either you invest in strengthening that first 11 to get it to compete or you invest in more squad depth and you invest in players who can come in and play on the bench um, and, and come on and make a difference. And as you well know, Phil, you are not going to get both of those. You're not going to get two or three quality players for the starting 11 and another three for the bench. So um, my main worry is, and we've talked about this off-air, it's my personal view that if you prioritise squad depth, I think you're going to see two or three underwhelming signings. Well, I mean, we talk about squad depth. Let's look at that option, right? Let's say you needed to say that, you know what, we're not going to spend 100 million on one player. We're going to stretch it out over a couple of players. Who are those players? Because you never not even being linked happily to anyone. I mean, we're getting retreads of names like Sir Niguez, which I doubt there's any truth to. Um, and we keep seeing, I don't know anyone that's remotely close to United to moving to United, but four weeks away, right? And uh, I know there were some reports last week about Stavanovic, and I asked United, where is there any truth to it? And they said no, right? Wouldn't surprise me to see United sense young players like that. Um, but 
we're looking at this, we're going, who are these players that are close to Manchester United? I, I mean, I, have, I can absolutely see a situation four weeks from now when the season restarts where United have got exactly the same squad, minus one or two other players as they do now. When you look at, so you take a look at the fact that May, they, they took out 140 million of 150 million revolving credit um, facility available to them. They had 90 million in cash in the bank. I don't believe they took that out for signings. I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, so I think what oh, Spooking United is future projections, right? Because most likely you're not going to see fans in stadiums for at least another year, right? That's what I think. And that's most probable with what is going to happen with United. And I think collectively throughout football, you're seeing clubs that are getting that are going to get hurt financially. And this may be the last major summer for a long time where we see clubs spend a lot of money. Um, but <clears throat> we see Chelsea willing to invest in a squad, right? We see other clubs that have actual legitimate ambitions that are going to invest in their squad. This is a Manchester United team heavily hampered, club heavily hampered by the debt, heavily hampered by the financing. And remember, this 150 million credit has to be paid off. It's a, it's a loan. Right? It has to be paid off by 2025, I believe. So I think that they won't spend that money on Jadon Sancho. I think they'll try to stretch it out for a couple of signings. Um, and uh, because we, we've said this many times, we see the cost of Glazer ownership, of course. Um, and, and this is so tragic that a football club this size is incapable of doing the business that it needs because of the finance charges and the interest charges and the dividends that are being paid to owners who have no interest in this football club. Um, so I think we're going to see an underwhelming summer, mate. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm sitting here with Jaden Sancho and a couple of others is what should have happened. Um, but I genuinely don't see that happening anymore. The longer this Jaden Sancho thing goes on, the less likely it is it's going to happen, in my opinion. And um, I think that I know Dortmund announced 40 million losses. But I'm sure they knew this two weeks ago when they were holding firm on Jadon Sancho. So um, I think that uh, what Tom McDermott, we'll draw on Tom McDermott here later on the show, we'll talk to him about that. But one of the things that he will talk about, I'm sure, that um, has been mentioned many times, is you never want to pay a low fee up front and pay it off over time. Um, and Bruce Dortmund don't want to do that. They had to pay for Harry Maguire up front, which is part of the reason why they made uh, Inter Milan, I believe, pay most of Lukaku's fee up front. Um, so I, it's hard for me to see where quality signings are going to come in to improve this team to take it to the next level. Man, I, I, I don't see it. My biggest fear along those same lines, and listeners may say it's negativity, but it's, it's, it's a harsh reality in my book, is I just fear United and, 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 and Woodward, and I hate to, to pin it on just him because it's not just him, of course. He can only spend the money he's given. But I just fear that if there's a case of not a lot of finance available to pay transfer fees up front, that you could see what I would call faded stars arrive at United. I know Douglas Costa has been linked again for me. He's a faded star. Edson Cavani's a free agent. For me, he's a faded star. These are guys that maybe five years ago would have got you out your seat and you'd have went, you know, that's a good sign and that's the sort of guy we need to bring in and invest in now. I just feel that guys like that paper over the cracks. Now, I think they will appease a certain element of the United fan base um, as they would appease a certain element of most fan bases because 
younger generation playing FIFA football manager might rate these guys highly. But when you look at their stats and you look at how many games have started, how many games have been on the bench, these are guys who are coming to you at the wrong side of their careers. They're coming to you at the wrong time. And, and crucially, if you look at the Pablo Dybala situation, if Douglas Costa rocks up at Manchester United, is he coming for the right reasons? Because I don't think he is. Another player I'm worried United are going to be linked with because apparently Andrea Pirlo's made it clear he's not wanted at Juventus is Aaron Ramsey. It's another, I, I'm not saying that's a player I would go for. I personally wouldn't. But I just always fear with the likes of Ramsey. You could even say a bail over the years as well that because they're British, homegrown type players, there's that element of tempt from a club like United. I hope I'm wrong there. I agree with you. I hope it is Sancho and a couple of others. Because as you've said, the alternative is terrifying. If it's strengthened just the bench or strengthened the squad in general, who who realistically is going to be available? A Jack Grealish, because Aston Villa stayed up, he's not going to come as cheaply as he would have if Villa would get relegated. You look at the relegated clubs, you look at Bournemouth, could someone like a Josh King, who was linked before, turn up at United? Potentially. Wouldn't be the player I would go after, especially if you're trying to improve on third. He, he'd be linked, maybe a Callum Wilson, a David Brooks, uh, Sar at Watford. Um, these sort of guys, I think, if United are going to be trying to stretch it, are the sort of guys that would be linked in. And for me, that's, that's not what United need because, crucially, you can't go into a summer needing to strengthen, strengthen your starting 11, first and foremost, and your squad, and end up just with a couple of players for the bench. Well, Douglas Costa is 29. He started seven games for Juventus this season. Started seven. He's been poor in terms of his form. Uh, he's got injury problems. He's had a couple of disciplinary issues. Uh, and he's been offered by an agent. It, these are the types of players United signed in the past when agents offered them without proper scouting. <clears throat> and they turn out to be a disaster. It's blatantly obvious that this is what Juventus are calling dead wood. Let's get rid of them, right? And if a club like Juventus are binning these players, the likes of Aaron Ramsey, right, who they signed on a free and want to sell, uh, there's a reason why they want to bend them. And when, when you bring off those names, Josh King, Ramsey, you know, they honestly throw me off in the nearest cliff. Yeah, they, they, I really don't understand United fans that, that talk about Josh King, decent player, but Man United player? Are you insane? Are you insane? 30 million for Josh King? I can't remember a single standout season from Josh King where I would ever have thought he was even worthy of a mention or worthy of a 30 million price tag for that matter. It's insanity, right? So Josh King is not the difference between Manchester United challenging for a title and finishing third, nor is Aaron Ramsey. Uh, Brooks is a decent wee player, but he spent most of the season injured. Um, and uh, I just, I, 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 this is what I'm saying, Callum. Where are these players coming from? Because I don't know anyone that has a tenable link to United. And usually, as we see with Manchester United, what happens is you get a tenable link, then you get a protracted, drawn-out saga, and then the player signs, right? None of Manchester United signings are a surprise. Bruno Fernandes is not a surprise. Aaron Wan-Bissaka was not a surprise. Harry Maguire was not a surprise. Um, these, you know, the, the players that, that, that United signed over the summer, uh, none of them surprised, right? Don James wasn't a surprise. He was linked for about a week and a half before he actually signed. Um, so, you know, when, so when I think there's still a saga to happen with any signing, because very rarely anything's done simple, four weeks away, you know, they don't sign players within four weeks. It takes them forever. 
So we see, I said at the end of the season that we'd find an awful lot out about the football club's ambitions this summer, right? And I know I, I've talked as nauseum about the owners on here, right? And realistically, what should happen is if they actually curve and edit it all, they should put money into a football club because look, they've had 15 years to take money out. This is the one year we need you to put money in, okay? And uh, from a PR perspective, it would be magnificent, right? They could think about if the Glazers actually give United money this summer, right? The, the watch that they pickpocketed into your pocket, they actually put it back in, right? It would be wonderful from a PR perspective. And it would for, could forever be used as an example of them actually caring about the football club beyond financial gain. But we know that's not going to happen, right? <clears throat> so realistically, the football club just don't have the money to go out and send the likes of David and Sancho, considering the, the, the debt payments that need to be made, considering the interest payments, considering the fact that there's 140 million just taken out, which will be added to the debt what will need to be paid. Um, United are not a football club set up to handle a pandemic. They're not a football club. When you go back to 2008, when that financial crisis happened, had United not have refinanced a couple of months earlier, they would have been in a Hicks and Jad situation, right? They came per perilously close to that. So this is not a football club set up to take unforeseen massive drops in income, especially at the time when there's no obvious buyer. So I think that if you look at what United did 2008, they pocketed the Ronaldo money, they done nothing. We could very easily see a similar summer where we see a Michael Owen type free transfer and some underwhelming Antonio Valencia type signing and saying, there you go. The difference is we don't have Fergie. And one of the things that we can no longer say, Colin, is these lug idiots <clears throat> who go after Solskjaer and talk about it, he's a Glazer puppet and all this, which is just absurd. He has come out publicly and said what he wants, what he needs, what the club needs to sign. And he has made that clear uh, and he's put pressure on United's board. And I think that he has to be commended for that. He has to be commended because too many people, when, when he got the job, were worried about, oh, is he going to come in and be a yes man? Is he going to come in thinking, I've been given this wonderful opportunity that if you look at my CV, maybe I wouldn't have been given at any other top six club. I'm just going to agree with everything and stay in this job as long as I can. But he's shown he's been far more ruthless than that. I mean, you look at the Burnley game in February, how he turned that around, how he admitted himself even last night. He referenced February as a point that up until then he wasn't very happy with and he was happy with how they turned it around but it's not good enough because he wants to go further forward which to me it shows that the guy gets the club he gets where it needs to go and and, and, and he said as well yesterday first time I've been in three semi-finals in the same season and not and not won any and I don't like that feeling which is which is which is what you want to hear from your manager now things that I find quite strange this summer already United love a bargain. Thiago from Bayern Munich is linked with leaving for 30 million euros. Why, why, why are United, who normally like a bargain, not been strongly linked? Now, I understand there's an element of people that will say, if Bayern are selling a player, the chances are he's probably, there's something up there. But if you look at it on paper, he appears to be leaving because he wants to and he's in the yeah, last year's right. contract. Mm -hmm. that for me, he's the sort of player I would love to see at United. Okay, 100%. Me, he's too blatantly obvious. 30 million <laughs> there, thereabouts he's available for. He's down the last year on his contract. 
he's a world-class player. To me, he's a fantastic midfielder. He will improve United's midfield. I would have loved to have had a Thiago to come off the bench last night, right? Uh, a player that is perfectly set up for a Solskjaer system, right? And I think certainly I would have definitely uh, wanted a player of that caliber to come off the bench last night. Um, and you're right, Bayern wanted to extend his contract. He wants to leave. He wants to try something else. He's at that point where it's nine or never. He's 29. To me, that's perfectly obvious signing. Um, it, it, again, you know, you're looking at one of the things that they talked about last night was experience. We needed more experience. And why wouldn't you sign a player that's played for Barcelona and Bayern Munich? You know, I, I, that's a player that brings a winning mentality. When we look at Bruno Fernandes, what happened last night with Victor Lindelof is exactly what I want to see from a Manchester United player. Not just uh, content to play to, set us to, to, to play well, but demand standards of everybody else. One of the things that, we, that we've lamented when United haven't played well is there's been no bollocks handed out. There's been no players that are walking around pointing fingers and saying, you need to improve, you need to improve, you need to And finally, you've got a guy saying, this is not acceptable. I don't care who you are. I'm going to bollock you. And he done the right thing with Victor Lindelof because Victor Lindelof was asleep for that second goal, right? Dreadful, absolutely dreadful defending. There's one player, Luke de Jong, standing in the box by himself. And Lindelof is, is ball watching, right? Instead of, you know, you might want to track the runner. Wambasaka doesn't track the runner in the first goal. The ball comes across the box. And to me, I think the head should have done better, right? I know it's, at a, it's his near post, and I know he's coming across the goal, but to me, he should have done better, right? Um, but he's the least at fault for, for that goal. And uh, Wambasaka should have tracked that runner, right? And he didn't. And uh, that's what really cautioned the goal. Uh, but to me, the other concern is he didn't score from open play, right? Bruno Fernandes scored. When someone like Rashford or someone else doesn't have a good game, you know they don't have anything to come in and replace it, right? So we're dependent on players playing well every single week. And uh, we have a strong 11 when they're on form. But when they're not on form, all it takes is one or two players to be not on form for you to drop. And Rashford last night looked like a player that Bali needs a rest. He was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Everything that happened, everything he did was he gave a ball away consistently. Uh, he's tripping over his own feet. Um, you know, he, he still hits target, right, which I give him credit for. I still read him really highly. I still think he's a magnificent player. Uh, up until COVID happened, he was on fire. He was playing well. Really, really disappointing, Callum, because again, the quality wasn't there on the bench. He needed to bring on to improve and like. Mason Greenwood's been a blessing in disguise, but absolute blessing for you now. We're so lucky to have a, a talent like that that has saved United absolute fortunes, right? Uh, that we can bring on and improve. Otherwise, we'd still be looking at Dan James in that front three. That's not good enough. So we've saved the fortune with, with, with Mason Greenwood. Uh, all he saved is a fortune by getting into the Champions League, the Adidas thing, everything else. He should be supported this summer, but I but it just don't see it happening. It is a worry, and um, I know we're going to be joined by by Tom shortly. And, and another mm. thing, I want to ask Tom, and, and we can discuss it, I'm sure afterwards. But I, I really want to put it to him because he wrote an article today um, saying five things United must do this summer, and mm-hmm. he's, he's talked about two interesting issues. He's talked about the goalkeeping situation that we've discussed in previous weeks, but he's also discussed the likelihood of Paul Pogba signing a new contract. 
I think that's vital personally, but it'll be interesting to hear what Tom thinks as well. Yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll bring Tom in and uh, we'll, we'll have a chat with him here. Yes, folks, as promised, the fantastic Tom McDermott, who's joined us for the first time on the show. I've wanted to get Tom on the show a long, long time, so it's great to finally have him on the day after, of course, United's defeat against uh, Sevilla. Tom, first of all, may welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Phil, been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Great to have me. Um, thank you for having me on. And looking forward to this, actually, because I think there's, there's quite a lot, as you've uh, alluded to in some of your tweets, is the yeah. big summer for United. Big, big Ma- summer. Massive summer for United. Before we get to that, when I ask you about the Sevilla game, Regardless of what we had spun, it's the third semi-final defeat for United this season. It's disappointing. I thought actually they played quite well. You know, they've played worse than one. Missed some good opportunities. Could have been so different on the night if they take those opportunities. And you just felt when United were missing those chances after a chance that would eventually cost them. It did cost them. What was your take from the game that night? Yeah, I kind of reacted as I do when I'm watching it like... like you know, most people do on it, and I, and I was I was disappointed because you mentioned there the chances we created. I just think that the front three for United have been playing that well in general. Yes, Rashford may have dropped off slightly. Martial looks like he's kind of running out of steam, but overall has been fantastic. And obviously Greenwood's been the shining light, hasn't he? Because he's mm-hmm. come in and he's a teenager and he's hit the hit the ground running. But um, similar to you, Phil, I think I thought that it might come back to bite United. But I was speaking to another. Uh, colleague early on today, and, and, and they said to me, "Would you have taken three semi-finals and and a, uh, a Champions League finish in January?" And if you actually look at how far behind Leicester City, Manchester United were, I actually think that you know, in hindsight, looking back, it looked like Pochettino would maybe come in and if if Solskjaer didn't, you know, get get things going and get things improved around the Christmas time. So actually, Solskjaer's changed the culture. He's got United playing in a style of way in a particular fashion that the fans are happy with, the talk of Solskjaer even after some of these negative results, and let's not forget we've had a couple of poor performances recently, the fans are not talking for his head, certainly not as much as they were before Christmas or around that time anyway, so the severe game was a disappointment, but I think overall if you look at it I think that Solskjaer has changed the tide, things are starting to work more in his favour now, and as I think we said at the, the, the top of the show, he, he's got to be supported and he's got to be backed in the summer because there's only so far I think he can take him, take him especially with his coaching team as well reinforcements uh, are what's required and I think if you look at the last game and certainly at points during Copenhagen uh, the last home leg uh, I might add that's where United's trouble trouble and problems are because the squad depth is just not as good right. I always go back to it and, and as a Manchester United fan I, I hate to use them as an example but you look at somebody like Origi came on in the semi-final of the Champions League last year against Barcelona mm-hmm. I think he scored and of course he scored the second goal in that final didn't he he's the type of player or it's that type of player that United don't have from the bench. Dan James looks like he's he's sort of not quite got what he had before before the festive period as well. Igalo's done great, but rarely starts and gets bit parts here and there. And I think we had Fozzie Mentor and one other come on. So mm-hmm. while the, dis- the result was disappointing, on another day they could have won. But at the same time, I think overall, I think most Manchester United fans this morning when they were waking up, disappointment, but look, looking back, thought, you know what? We're probably about where we should be at the moment, but again, it's that next step, isn't it? You're spot on, Tom. When it comes to the to the next step, and you summed it up when it, with a tweet last night about Bruno Fernandez. I mean, the impact he's had in the team in a footballing sense has been incredible. But when you look at his leadership skills as well, last night he, he made the headlines for for pointing out Victor Lindelof's error. Lindelof yeah. was clearly quite defensive, and and you summed it up by saying you don't mind it in the slightest. 
but things have to improve because you don't want a player like Bruno in 12 or 18 months thinking, God, there's, there's players here that aren't up to my standards. So, as you've said, the recruitment, I think, is important for Solskjaer. It's important for the fan base, but crucially for your key players, like Bruno, like Pogba, as you mentioned in your article today, to, to keep these players at the club and keep them happy, you need to get the recruitment right this summer more than ever. I think so. I think you're right. I think there's been signs, hasn't there, that before we can see the the, the, the Wayne Rooney incident uh, must be nearly 10 years ago now. It certainly feels like a long time. I'm, I know I'm getting old, but when he sort of went to Charles Ferguson and, and asked to move on because he wasn't happy with the recruitment and the direction the team's heading, these kind of guys, these winners, you know, they want to be surrounded by the best in class and I think Gary Neville used, used that, that kind of phrase but a team like Manchester United and, and I know that we'll get on to Jadon Sancho in a minute Jadon Sancho should if Manchester United want him should come to the club regardless of, of what's going on and the financial situation United have the money to buy a player like Jadon Sancho Manchester United are crying out for, for sort of working in several areas but if they do want Jadon Sancho and Manchester United need him and he can add value to that team then why wouldn't they go and get him and, and, and that's what, what fans are looking at eagerly now because Solskjaer has taken United, I think, I don't want to say as far as he can, but he probably has taken the squad as far as he can in certainly what he's got available. Um, and that's why so many people are now looking at that extra step and that extra player. And there's more than one position United need to, to strengthen. Of course, we all know that, but it's going to be a, a real balancing act just to see who they can get in. And, and, and the quality really needs to be there. And he's why Solskjaer and the board, he needs to have a nice conversation with them really and say, look, you know, 66 points was it this year? Forgive me if that's if that's wrong. I think that was what did it take United to sixth or seventh last year. And the concern for United, I think, is that Carlo Ancelotti, Everton, Arteta, Mourinho, even Nuno at Wolves, these guys, they'll all strengthen. You know, they won't be happy with where, with where they ended or completely happy. Santo will look at his run against Seville and think, you know, I want to go a step better. Uh, manager of the ilk of Ancelotti, he must have been promised money to spend because you wouldn't have imagined that he'd just settle for, for, for second or even third or fourth best at, at Everton. So United need to spend, otherwise you know they'll get taken over by, by the chasing pack who are, you know, let's be honest, United are nearer to the chasing pack than they are to Liverpool and City who are ahead of them. Yeah, that really is a concern for me when you look at the fact that we've season's already ended, Chelsea have been active, Liverpool have been active, City have been active. We have a small break between now and the start of the season again. I have my doubts that United within that period will get three players signed, which is apparently what they want this summer. I have my doubts they'll get one signed by mm-hmm. then, um, because mm-hmm. um, you know you, we, United always drag these things out to the very end, and then they make a decision. Okay, we genuinely can't get this price down any lower. This is what we're going to have to pay. Um, it, what's odd to me is the Jadon Sancho thing. Uh, I actually think the price is reasonable for a player of his quality. I don't think it's that bad. I don't know what mm-hmm. you never expect. And I know there was Bruce Dortmund have announced they've lost forty million. But if they don't need to sell him, then I don't know why you never would expect to get him any cheaper than what they're being quoted. Um what, what what do you think will happen? Because we talk about squad depth. Squad depth isn't depleted overnight. That's happened over a, a number of years. Uh, United need more than Sancho. I when you look at it, Tom, they've already drawn down on their their um, their revolving credit facility of 140 million, which they didn't make. Uh, they had 90 million cash in the bank. Um, I think future projections are really poor for United in terms of uh, income because of the st- the fans. What real? What is realistic this summer? Yeah, it's a good question. I agree with you. It needs to be three at least if you want to get, you know, if you want to close that gap. I think mm-hmm. Jaden Sancho is essential, but he, you know, he'll need more than Jaden Sancho to close the gap. 
it was interesting actually I, I think it, was, it might have been April or May again somebody else to correct me on social media but United released their figures and um, I contacted um, the person I speak to at United about things and he said to me that this summer if there is signings or a big signing that there's going to be they're going to be strict with how they, they structure the deal and it was when they informed me that they were still paying off I think part of the Bruno Fernandes deal as well which mm-hmm. is not strange because this is how the structure of deals working but I think the initial payment and, and what needs to be put down for Sancho in United's mind was always going to be a, a, a quite a low figure or a lower figure than that what they would like to have put down before the virus and the pandemic sort of take, took over so I think as early as sort of April, May time there was a change in how Manchester United looked at this window. Now, whether they're using the, the COVID and, and the pandemic as, as an excuse um, and, and they want to tighten the purse strings, I, I don't know. But it just sounded to me that United weren't going to spend a lot of money. And if they were going to spend some money, it would probably maybe be Jaden Sancho, again, with that low initial payment and then topping it up over the next few years. So I was a bit concerned when I heard that. I think that you go back to the squad, um, Squad, what squad remark there? What do you do? Do you almost abandon Jaden Sancho and, and bring in a, in a more mobile central defender to, to partner Harry Maguire? There's, there's gaps in midfield, but the concern for me is as good as United have been at times, they've sort of got where they were with injuries. So Martial appeared out. I think Rashford damaged his back, didn't he? If that happens next year to Pogba or Fernandez, then then what happens there? You know, yeah. Tomani, Matic, Fred are. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Matish in particular, I think, is good at what he does. I think Fred did okay last night. I think McTominay is, uh, is similar to Andy and Herrera in what he brings. But actually, if Fernandez goes down with an injury or got popped us, where's that extra creation and a bit of magic coming in from the centre of the park that can supply the bullies to people like Sancho if he arrives? So there's a real balancing act for them to do because if they're not going to spend big money or they're going to be reluctant to spend it on Sancho, who I, I think... I do think it's 50-50 in the balance that deal at the moment, but I think that they've got to really think about how they're spending the money and how they're going to going to make it. You know, they're going to spread it around, which is why I said earlier on today, you do wonder if a bigger player will be sold, somebody like a De Gea, even though he's on ridiculous wages, because you're thinking that actually mm-hmm. if De Gea's sold, will that free up more money for them to spend? Um, Harry Maguire was bought last year, wasn't he? 85, 80 million, but I think 75 of that was covered with the Lukaku deal wasn't it Yeah. so there is, there's ways that, 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 that they can see what they're thinking which is I saw Phil's post the other day and I think he was, he was spot on Manchester United he's Manchester United because it's a football club and that's what the fans love mm-hmm. and I think there's a famous that Busby quote about the players saying don't worry about money when you play for Manchester United it'll find you and I think that applies to the owners now if they pumped or put money not even pump money but put money in that the squad deserves and the yeah. fans deserve into the club then I think you know what getting to Champions League finals or getting to the latter end of the tournament or competing at the top end of the Premier League will probably service their day a lot better than what it is at the moment You, you mentioned the potential for a player like De Gea to, to maybe be an outgoing but I must say when it comes to Manchester United outgoings always concern me because you look at I say it through gritted teeth you look at Liverpool they always seem to sell players like Dominic Solanke Jordan Ibe in the past for, for decent yeah. money whereas United seem to always take a big hit on players and you look at players on the bench at the moment Lingard Pereira um, Eric Baez he's in and out of the team will he stay will he go Fosu Mensa and you just think to yourself can United recoup any sort of decent fee for these players? 
I don't think the fee is the issue. I think the fee that could get a reasonable fee. I think the issue is what Woodward and the powers that be have decided to pay these players as a basic wage. Phil Jones will probably not get what Phil Jones is getting now at another club. Lingard certainly won't. Um, Eric Bailly, he probably wouldn't get a weekly wage. So the fees, you know, for, for these guys are probably not probably part of the issue but probably not in my opinion the whole issue you know the wages that, that Phil Jones and I don't know exactly what they are but these guys are on huge wages I seem to remember Mourinho giving Jones a, was it a five year deal or something or mm-hmm. he got some sort of ridiculous extension with which, so you, know, grand a week, wage, you know I mean it's a, is he going to get that if he went to no disrespect to, to Leicester or a player that's hardly yeah. played and is injured he's probably not is he so you're right as well that we do seem to, to, to know. But then you look at let's use Smalling as the example. Are they are they saying well you know we're not going to spend money on a central defender? So Smalling's had a good t- uh, time, twelve months, whatever it is, nine months in Italy. Should we just bring him back and put him into the team, and that saves us a bit of money there? So you don't know what you don't know what the thought process is behind that. But I agree with you. Deals, ins and outs, just seem to take so long. You know, and I think that. As Phil mentioned there, you look at Chelsea and the work they've done, we could argue about Ake if he's good enough for Man City all day, but the fact of the matter is they saw the player, they identified him and they got him in straight away and there just seems to be a dragging with United and you know, if they get to the end of the window and there's a big fanfare and there's a big social media boom because Sancho's rapping with Stormzy, then that's all well and good but actually when you get down to the actual squad it's one player we need, but there are actually two, three, four other places that we need strengthening as well, which is you know just as important. One of the things that's been quite obvious, Tom, um, is that Solskjaer, and we wondered whether he would do this or not, whether he'd be vocal about transfers and whether he'd be willing to put pressure on the board. He certainly been yeah. vocal uh, after Leicester. He said he gave the board his list, uh, and he's been quite open about the fact that they need to strengthen, they need more depth, uh, and really has put pressure on the board to deliver those types of signings. I don't think you can question whether Solskjaer is willing to put pressure on the board publicly anymore about whether he needs signings or not. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you. I think in general, again, he seems to sort of come around since the sort of turn of the year, doesn't he? He seems to he's, he's certainly grown into the role as Manchester United mm-hmm. manager. But he has every right to turn up to the board and say, you know, back, back me. I need, I need more support because if you compare his signings to to most of the other managers that have come in before him, uh, and obviously since Alex Ferguson, his record in the transfer market is he, pretty good. I think. You know, you look at Harry Maguire; they've probably paid over the odds for him, but. He's not as he's getting criticised because of that fee. A lot of it is due to that, and also because he's a captain of Manchester United. But the actual player himself, if you've got a mobile central defender next to him, he, he, he's not too bad. You look at Igalo who comes off the bench, and you can tell he wants to be there. He's passionate. The fans love him. He's good for a goal. Another success, Bruno Fernandes. The, the, the turnaround since he signed in, in January has been. He's been. I can't remember a player since RVP that's had you know such an immediate impact yeah. on the club. So, Solskjaer. Yeah, he's got them into the Champions League. So he said, look, I've got you part one of what, what I said I'd do. I've got you these signings in the bag already who are performing and helped us get there. You've seen the impact Bruno Fernandes has. If you can support me with two or three, then this is what you're going to get. And that's not now me saying it. It's there in black and white. You can see the table. You can see the way the players are playing. And you can see what we're capable of. We just need more help and the quality of that level. Two in-house issues that I want to ask you about, Tom. How likely do you think it is at the moment from what you know that Pogba will sign a new contract? And crucially, how do you think Oli and the club will play out the, the goalkeeping situation with Dean Henderson and David De Gea? Pogba, both interesting because I think with, with Pogba, 
and and you mentioned so you said you said you're dragging out these signings as well. So if you sold you sold Pogba, is the money you get for Pogba? First of all, who would buy him at the moment? And secondly, he needs replacing, and probably needs replacing with two players. So to sell him, is it going to excuse? Is it going to cause United some extra additional hassle in the transfer market that they're not capable of? Of delivering at the moment, it almost makes sense, I think, to to grant him a, a contract extension. And, and while I understand, I believe that that is something that Pogba has never been more open to than he has been at the moment. If you look back 12, 12 months last summer, I think he was he was making a few comments. I think he was outside somewhere, and, and I think one of the American news channels got hold of him, and, and he said that perhaps was time to move on. But we're not kind of hearing that. He's also doing a lot more in-house media as well. So I think I'd have probably sold Pogba last summer if I'm being honest. But I think now. I think if he can see what Bruno's bringing, if he's bought into what Solskjaer's doing, then I think uh, a fit and and Popper who's tuned in is, is is an incredible asset to any team. So if he's going to be like that, then by all means give him give him the new contract. And I think that that's what United would probably like to do. The Henderson the Heron situation is 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 an intriguing one because the coaching staff has simply got to sit there now and say right over a course of a nine month season. Season. Who is going to make the least mistakes? Is it going to be De Gea mm. or is it going to be Henderson? Now you throw into that, if they believe it's going to be Henderson, can you put Henderson behind the back four in its current sort of state? I know we've had a lot of clean sheets, but could you put a young or a younger kid who's never played a first team against Manchester United behind Maguire, Lindelof or Smalling, Wambasaka and Williams if Shaw's going to be inconsistent? And I think that's a huge risk, which is why I think they're still or he's swinging in the way of De Gea because he's got a bit more experience. He knows what it, it, it takes to be the Manchester United number one. But I just think that it's such a balance, it's such a risk. It's really, again, it's probably a decision that Solskjaer needs to make and it probably would have made, but needs to make quickly if he hasn't because I think that De Gea, for me, it's, it's not, a, a, not a blip now. I think you can probably chart his dipping form back to the World Cup, uh, the Ronaldo hat-trick. I think that he's never quite been the same since then and I think that in normal circumstances and we're not operating in normal circumstances but I think in normal circumstances I think maybe Sir Alex Ferguson may have dropped him or, or looked to move him on and, and bring somebody else in but Henderson as well hasn't been as steady as what you might read I've, I've watched quite a lot of, of Sheffield United he has made some errors but mm. again he needs something I think more stable and solid in front of him than what we can offer him in at the moment so I, to answer the question I'll probably say maybe another year for De Gea and then he's Henderson in or, or, or bringing back in when we, maybe we've got a more sort of solid base at the moment because I just think that you know what it's like you, you're watching football over the years if you've got somebody in goal who um, or, or a defence that's, that's jittery he's going to the, the goalkeeper needs to feel comfortable with what he's got yeah. in front of him and you know you look at all the great United sides over the past and any sort of league winning league winning team even the Leicester Hoos and Morgan at centre half now I wouldn't say either were world class and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn there but what they were they were very solid and reliable mm-hmm. and at the moment United I wouldn't put in that bracket Tom last question before you go um, we talked about if Jadon Sancho doesn't happen what are the alternatives uh, some reports coming out of Italy that uh, Douglas Costa which I sincerely hope is not the alternative the guy that's played started seven games a season he's been injured a lot he hasn't found his form and it's been suggested that his agents have offered him to United and I sincerely hope United have learned from the mistakes in the past of not taking players that are offered by agents rather than selecting players based on proper scouting. What are the alternatives to Jadon Sancho if it doesn't happen? You've said it there, I'm, I'm starting to 
uh, with, sorry, with uh, Douglas Costa. Mm-hmm. Is he 29? He, he's yeah. heading towards 30. Is he the kind of player? What are his sort of, if he's been offered to United, my first question is, it's like the Davalos incident 12, 12 mm-hmm. months ago. I think it was last summer, wasn't it? You know, what is, is his motivation coming to Manchester United? He's obviously got undoubted talent, but you've reeled off there his stats and, and he's, the likelihood that he can, you know, he's going to perform and perform well every week. I think the the culture of the club is something that Solskjaer has worked tirelessly on, and I think that he's almost there with it. I don't know anything about Costa, but if his agent is, is approaching Manchester United and saying, "Come on, come and get him," and he's only played the amount of games that you've just you've now there, that immediately puts alarm bells in, in yeah. my mind, uh, and I, I don't believe it's the sort of player United should be looking for because I think that if you're looking for a a younger, hungrier player that you know wants to have something to prove but understands the sort of values of the club which I think is important because I think that's important to Solskjaer and what he shows doing the team ethic he's doing I mean I always look at Fernandez and he just seems to have taken it to it straight away he understands the club and and, and when you've got an agent I mean listen they all do it don't they they try and get the best deal for their for, for their player but but for me that would be you know I, I do wonder if if United look at Slightly a different, maybe a different position, rather than trying to fill that in and sit tight with with what they've got with Greenwood there and and Martial, and maybe look at strengthening another position because I think it's important that they get the right players in, rather than just saying, well, we can't get Sancho, so let's just who who mm-hmm. will do? Should we get Costa right. in? Should we get X, Y, or Z in? So I think that they've got to be cleverer. But I, it's a good point, Bill, because I think I don't think United have been always clever in the market, and I think that you know we want player A, and if player A isn't there. Let's go and get player B. Well, well, don't rush it. Spend the money on another area of the team that, mm-hmm. that really needs it. Go and get the guy at Leipzig who can play central defence. You know, yeah. if it's Grealish, and I think Grealish is too expensive at 80 million, but if it is someone like Grealish, then then go and get somebody like that who could come in and do a job for you. You know, don't get a, a far weaker alternative who who you would question why you'd want to come to Manchester United. You know, the, the club and the yeah. badge shell itself. And if you want to be part of it and part of what Solskjaer is building, then that's great. But if you need you know, to persuade, you know, you're being pushed in by your agent, then as with the Barla last year, I, I do have my um, my concerns really with that. We shall see. Tom, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It's been a long time coming and uh, we'd definitely love to get you back shortly. Uh, certainly it won't be as long as it took to set this up. So thanks for doing it, mate. I appreciate it. Cheers, Phil. Cheers, guys. Thank Cheers, you. mate. All the best. See you, Tom. Bye. Cheers, boys. <clears throat> Some interesting comments are from Tom McDonald. I want to thank him once again for joining us. Very kind of him to do that. Um, Calm, it seems he shares some of the pessimism uh, <laughs> that uh, we have over transfers, over signings. Um, and as I've said earlier, I would really love to be wrong on this. I would really love for you know, to go out and bring in the players that we need this summer to, to push on. But um, he also share some of the concerns over whether United really have the financial world with all the sentient and Sancho and what plausible alternatives there are to Jadon Sancho. The reason why Solskjaer designated him as first choice. In an ideal world, this is who you're saying, this is who fits what we want the best. And one of the things that's been obvious, we talked about some of the other settings that haven't been able to, haven't been credibly linked with. We haven't really been linked with a credible alternative. That, that, that is the main worry. I mean, when you see, we've, we've referenced it with Tom, we've referenced it together beforehand as well. When a name like Douglas Costa comes up, alarm bells start ringing for me mm-hmm. because I just worry, have they invested so much time into their main transfer target in Sancho that they're now willing for agents to offer them players? 
by God, I hope not, because that's a, a, that's not a route I want to go down. I want the strategy to be far more coherent than that. It simply has to be if you're going to improve in third place because we can't have guys who are just interested in the paycheck rather than the club coming in because it just doesn't work. And, and for Solskjaer and what he's trying to do, he's talked about changing the culture of the club. He's got a young staff. A guy like Costa coming in, more interested in his bank balance than if he gets in the team. That goes against the grain of everything that Ollie said since, he, since he's arrived. So I would like to think he wouldn't be tempted to go down that way for, 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 for an easy option. But you're right. United, as you said earlier, it's, it's a saga and then the player arrives. Well, the saga for whoever is next on the list after Sancho hasn't even begun yet. There's four weeks to go. Sancho in the, right, the right-hand side of the midfield position. I wish that was just the final piece in the jigsaw and we could spend four weeks bumming and ahhing and worrying about getting that final piece. But as we've alluded to in this show, as is Tom, even if you get Sancho, he's not the final piece of the jigsaw. There's still work that needs to be done to that United team, notably in goal, centre defence, and in holding midfield. And crucially as well, I mean, I, I don't think United will sign a new left-back this summer. I've been honest about that. But Luke Shaw's fitness, as he's shown, bless him, He's come on leaps and bounds at times this season, but you can't rely on him to, to stay fit over the course of a whole season. He's got underlying injuries that are not his fault. Of course they're not. Is Williams ready? We've seen last night, can be a bit erratic at times. Is he ready to, to play 25, 30 games if required if Shaw gets a bad injury? Again, I don't know. But something something, something has to be done in the next week or so to, to just lift the place because I'd said to you off air, Phil, the club finishes third. There's positive momentum getting into Europa League. The German season's finished. That was the time to get a Jaden Sancho or put the wheels in motion and even announce it after last night's game to really get that 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 feeling high amongst the players, amongst the staff, amongst the fan base and make people think, oh, fair play. The Glazers, Woodward, they're serious about challenging this summer. But as it is, we're back in a Cesc Fabregas situation of a saga, a Fellaini situation under Moise also. Saga. And it looks as if like Maguire last summer, it's going to be Sancho, 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 Sancho. It's either then going to happen or it's not. And panic stations happen. And as you've said before, it's either going to be an underwhelming player who from a relegated club like Josh King, or it's going to be a panic loan signing like Costa. And God forbid it is. That's what I think actually will happen. I think they will look to do something on loan. I think that would be the idea worth for them. It wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to get Kinsey Coleman on loan, something like that. With either no option to buy and try to defer this for another year, right? Um, possibly asking Barcelona for a Dembele loan or something like that. It wouldn't surprise me to see something like that happen. I think that would be the cheapest option for United to solve a problem in their team. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them do something like that. Maybe ask for continue on loan again, Right. Um, <clears throat> wouldn't surprise me, or James Rodriguez, or someone like that. Twenty-nine, the Madrid are desperate to get rid of. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see something like that happen. Um, when I look at uh, what we talked about here, we talk, so people talk about academy players, Callum, right? And we mentioned Mason Greenwood, Brandon Williams. It's great to have academy players come through, but when you're a club like Manchester United, and you have expectations where uh, you're talking about winning titles, you're talking about winning European Cups or whatever. Every single position, you ask the same question. Is this the player the best in the world in this position? Right? So 
most often if it's coming from the academy, the likelihood of that answer is no. So when you're bringing up young academy players, um, there's one of two questions. This is if he's not the best player in the world, where does he rank in relation to the best players in the world? Right? So maybe not even close. Okay, then you have to accept that that's a weakness in your team until that player develops into a player that could be considered alongside one of the best in the world. Because if you want Brandon Williams instead of, say, an Andy Robertson, right, who may be one of the top five left backs in the world, then that's okay. You can have Brandon Williams because an academy player, but you just have to understand that you can't have the same expectations. This is why whenever uh, Carlos Quiroz was at Madrid and he talked about bringing the young players like Barcelona did, um, they talked about Zidane and Pavons. He said the Pavons have to be some of the best in the world. You know, when Barcelona brought through Xavi, and he asked that they were Messi, the best in the world at their positions, right? When United brought through their academy players like so Paul Scholes, they were the best in the world or almost there in their positions. So Mason Greenwood is one of the top young players in the world in his position, no question about it. But you can't expect that in every single position. You can't expect Jimmy Garner to come in and be one of the best young players in the world as position. You can't expect that with Brandon Williams or other players. These kids will come in and do a very good job for you because they're very good footballers. But, but at some point, you have to ask the question, is this the best we can possibly get in this position? And that's the only question that, need, that, 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 that needs answering. Um, Brandon Williams, I will not criticize. I think that kid got booked early on last night. Very dangerous. Kept his nerve. I think he's very. I think he he's he's done exceptionally well. I really like him. I like his attitude, um, and I think he is someone that uh, has tremendous temperament for a Manchester youngster, uh, and has come in and done an exceptional job. Luke Shaw, to me, I've said this before. We've seen the best and the worst of Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw is not uh, good enough for a club that wants to win the league. Uh, he's really poor on one on ones. He's not the quickest, and uh, to me, doesn't offer enough going forward that you need in your fullbacks. Um, same with Wamba Saka going forward. That's still a weakness, right? Exceptional, exceptionally defensive, but not the best going forward. Has to be improved on. Um, and we know United need another centre back beside Maguire. Um, so for me, I think uh, expecting that gap to be filled by Axel Two and Zibi is not realistic to me. You're very lucky if you get one or two players in a generation that come through in a group that are one of the best in the world in their position. Very lucky. Very very hard to get. So. Uh, I don't think it's reasonable to look to the academy to like some Mabry and these young kids and think that they're capable of coming in and filling that gap right away. Absolutely. So if you look again through the teeth at Liverpool, I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold, you would say, mm-hmm. is one of the best in the world yeah. in his position, but mm-hmm. it was a long time before Liverpool brought someone through, like mm-hmm. a Gerrard or, or, or mm-hmm. a Carragher who was able to come in and be a mm-hmm. stalwart. Now, obviously... Arnold has done it, but you're spot on in the sense that you cannot expect one or two of those every season. That's just wholly unrealistic because not only is it unrealistic to expect that from the get-go, like a Greenwood has delivered this season, because young kids are going to have, have to develop and that's something that, that you, need to, you need to accept. Now, when I said about Williams playing 25, 30 games, I, I'm not meaning that as a criticism towards him. I think he's a really good young player. I agree with you and his temperament. I just think it's a very big ask like a Jimmy Garner, for instance, if there was injuries in midfield, if he was expected to come in and play 30 games in the heart of Manchester United's midfield, that's a lot of pressure. It's like same with, with Dean Henderson. Um, when he comes back to United, if he's given that number one jersey, you, you don't you don't retain the 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 air of Dean Henderson, the highly rated up and coming goalkeeper. You're then known as Dean Henderson, Manchester United's number one goalkeeper, and that's a completely different pressure. So. 
definitely agree with you in that regard. And, and, and as we've said earlier on, when it comes to value for money, there, there is value out there if you look carefully enough and closely enough for it. United like to tell us a lot that they scout extensively. There was 108 left-backs before they, they signed Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So I would hope there are viable alternatives to Jaden Sancho, but as we've said, we're not, we're not holding our breath because it worries me the lack of links because normally United have strong links with two or three and you, you expect to get one. Another player who you've mentioned recently, Phil, and I hate to, I hate to break this to you on air, there if you've seen it today, um, Douglas Louise looks as if he's potentially going to get back to Man City. They've got a buyback of around £25 million. Brilliant plan. If City don't activate that, or if that's just the release clause, I don't know, of course. I'd, 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 if you're tight on money, I'd be activating that. £25 million Brilliant in the plan. modern market is a snip. Um, obviously, I'd prefer a Thiago, but if you don't get him, go and get a Louise. Go and get someone who will come to your club, offer offer something that you've not already got. And crucially, I think if you bring a player like that, we've seen it with Adrista Gay when he went to Everton. When you're in a relegated team or you're in a team that's struggled and you've been a shining light and you're given a chance by a bigger club, you know you need to grasp that with both hands. And that's the sort of signing that I would like because he's a player who was a standout in that team. Whereas as we've talked about, we like to have a Josh King. The reason people might say, oh, you're contradicting yourself, I would say I'm not because Josh King for me, I would hardly say he's a star. He's, he's, a, he's a standout every single week in that Bournemouth team, to be honest with you. Well, the same applies, the same question applies to players you want to say, Callum, um, with Josh King, for example. So there's, there's one or two questions that, and I've said this many times about United players that need to be asked simple. Are, are, are you good enough for Manchester United? If the answer to that question is no, the question has to be could you be good enough for Manchester United if you're a young player and you can. Josh King's in the prime of his career. Josh King's not a player that's going to transform Manchester United from a good team to a very good team to a title one team. Not right. Um, no other teams have been incredibly heavily linked with him. To me, no other team too in any remote interest. But when we talk about new signings, Callum, we know anything about Paul Pogba, right? And we talked about this before. But Paul Pogba and his agent six months ago, seven months ago, were talking about being felt let. They felt like they were let down by United because they didn't fulfil promises about investment in the squad that he was made when he, when he, when he first signed for Manchester United. So Paul Pogba has a year left on his contract. We need to have an option of another year. So essentially two years. So if he wants to leave, he shouldn't sign a new contract. He would have United where he wants them next summer and he could leave. No problems. They'd have to sell him. Um, they may even consider selling him in January. Right, um, but um, I cannot see him signing a new contract unless serious promises are made to him, and and not the types of promises were made before. I wonder if Pogba. I think he'd probably wait until you know to actually make these signings before he enters into serious negotiations because he's at a key point in his career himself. Right, so it's not just about sending players because you need them; it's about sending and sending a message to the current players that you have. Bruno Fernandez. Right, a year or two. If United don't make those signings, what does he say to himself in a year or two? I, I mean, because he's going to be in demand if he continues to do what he's doing, which I'm sure he will. Um, lots of clubs are going to want him. The other thing that you need to be concerned about when we go back to Liverpool in the early nineties, they also were almost reminiscent of United in the sense that they had some exceptional young players come through their academy, the likes of Michael Owen, the likes of Robbie Fowler. Uh, the likes of Steve McManaman, they lost those players, right? Because they weren't winning titles. 
So we cannot be complacent about the likes of Mason Greenwood's future, the likes of these young players that we do have coming through that are of sufficient quality, that they will stick around at Manchester United. If Mason Greenwood continues to do what he's doing, and United continue to do what they're doing where they don't win titles, people are going to get to him. The likes of the Real Madrid, Barcelona, these clubs will not be in a situation forever. Right? They will come for a player like that. So this is an so important for the future of this football club about sending a message to this to, to the players that we have and really demonstrating that with Ferguson gone, we have the competence at this football club to restore it back to where it was because that question has not been answered. Since Ferguson left, what we have shown is we were entirely dependent upon him to win titles. To, so now the question is being asked of everybody else. Do you have the, 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 the capabilities to restore United back to uh, a championship winning team? Anything less than that, Callum, is unforgivable, right? Manchester United must be a team that demands success and winning trophies, but you can't demand success by signing cup price players. Three questions I've got for you, Phil. Yes or no answers. Will United sign Sancho? No. Four weeks to the new season. Will there be any new signings before the new season starts? Maybe one. And the last one. If United do not strengthen the starting eleven and use their budget to sign just a few squad players, has only can only take the club further than third. All depends on the quality of those squad players, man. Uh, all depends on whether they're first team ready, whether they're young players same with the intention of developing and, and, and uh, selling them on where it has future selling value. Um, it all depends on the quality. You know, if he, if he sends someone like a Tiago, uh, you know, that, to me, that's a first team ready football player. That would definitely improve United's midfield. Um, if they send players of that caliber, then the answer would be yes. Um, but I, if they go out and send someone like Douglas Costa, uh, and one of the things that Solskjaer said that is very, very important, it costs a lot of money to send players that are better than what we have because that has to be the target. Are we sending players that are better than what we have? Because if we're sending players that aren't better than what we have, it's just another player. It doesn't mean anything, right? So uh, it's not, you know, to improve, it's not about more players available to you. It's about better players available to you. You know, so if you've just got more players available to you that are of similar quality of the ones that you have, then you still have the same problem. So they have to bring in players that are improvement on what they have. I have serious concerns about whether that will be done. I would agree, and that's uh, that's the worry. The, the the countdown clock, if you will, is is the big worry because the saga comes before the signing, unfortunately here. So it needs to happen quickly and. And I agree. I think if, if one player comes in before the start of the new season, I, I would be, I'm not going to say happy because I wouldn't be happy, but I would I'd be as satisfied as reluctantly possible because at least it would be better than, than nothing, touch wood. But, I mean, we've talked about the situations on the pitch. Off the pitch, another thing that was mentioned by Tom, I meant to ask him, um, was he talked about Harry Maguire and the captaincy? He said that, it might be an idea to take the captaincy off Maguire because mm. he thinks it might be putting a bit of pressure on him. Would you agree with that? Would you like to see that? Or is that something you think is, is maybe an idea, but it's not a priority? Well, I mean, pretty good. If Harry Maguire can't handle the responsibility of being a Manchester United captain, then I have serious concerns about him. Because 
you should want to be Manchester United captain. That's a tremendous honour. And, you know, look, we, for the first time in a long time, we've seen a couple of people that are captain material. Bruno Fernandes is just, everything about him has just been magnificent. And one of the things that Bruno Fernandes has shown is just how one, one signing can completely transform the football club, right? I mean, United pre-Bruno Fernandes versus after Bruno Fernandes is two different football clubs, right? Um, so I would hope that, Bruno, that, that Harry Maguire is not shirking the responsibility of being captain. I would hope that if he is, then I have serious question marks about whether he has the temperament to be a Manchester United player. That's the expectation that comes with playing for Manchester United. So when, when I say I think one signing will happen, maybe, I don't see it being big signing, Callum, because big signings for United take a long time to execute, right? So I don't see United all of a sudden singling out a big target in the next week or two and getting over the line in the next two weeks. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see United drag out all their signings to maybe the end of September because what they do, they will exhaust it and exhaust it and exhaust it and exhaust it just for the fear that they paid £10 too much too soon. So we'll see. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. Sulzger has earned the right to be trusted in the transfer market. Every single signing he has made has improved United. Every single one, right? So um, he more than anyone since Ferguson left, has earned the right to be trusted. And um, he should be given the money. The money should be made available. They should be making those signings. And, uh, you know, for me, when they talked about replacing Lukaku, Callum, right, one of the things that we've seen, in my opinion, is that the money was never there to replace Lukaku. Because if it was there, right, we'd still have it. So... uh, Someone, well, maybe Schultzger was lied to about will replace Lukaku. Is where did that money go? I mean, we know it went in Harry Maguire, but allegedly that money was there to be spent on Harry Maguire no matter what, right? So if Schultzger was told, if we sell Lukaku, that money would be made available for you to strengthen and, and send all the players. Well, we're still dealing with a lot on loan, right? Which, by the way, he leaves at the end of the year. So wouldn't the United going to go out and send an striker in January? And I'm not sure Igalo is even a reasonable enough alternative, right? So basically, we've got Igalo for three months of the season upon the restart, right? So three months, yeah. So then what? Because we're going to need our striker. So there's another reason why Jaden Sancho is required. Because, you know, we've got, we've got for three more months. So for me, I think uh, even if you sign three players, right? Let's say you sign Jaden Sancho. Maybe you can get away with not signing a striker in January. But if you don't, if you don't sign a forward player, uh, then they're going to also have to strengthen again in January. So, um, very, very concerning, Callum. It is very concerning, and we've just got to hope that, that things can get moving in the next week or two. I'll hold my breath, but, but I, hope, I hope it happens because the club, as, as I've said a few times already, I sound like a broken record that I granted if you can create a positive momentum between the fan base and manager and the playing staff getting into this new season, I think really good things can happen. I'm not going to make an outlandish prediction that the club will win the league title or whatever, but what I would say is if you can get this United team going into the season the way they were playing post-Fernandez and post-February, then I don't think many teams in the league will want to play them. 
we will see you mate uh we'll go ahead and leave it there calm uh thanks to all of you folks for the downloads thanks retweets everything very very much appreciated thanks to tom mcdermott for joining us and uh i hope you're all having a wonderful safe summer obviously we'll keep doing the pods throughout the summer we'll keep bringing you other guests and uh so stay tuned so keep following us and uh we'll be back again probably next week calm all the best mate all the best take care phil cheers folks